Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Know Your Role Player podcast. I'm your host, Jay, the number 215 forever. Follow your boy on IG, and on my IG page is the podcast page that's at Know Your Role Player underscore podcast. The best way that you can listen to this podcast is to download the Anchor app. That's anchor.fm backslash Know Your Role Player. That's K N O W Y A R O L E. P-L-E-Y-E-R, whether you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Breaker, Radio FM, or many, many more, Spotify too, if I didn't say before, you will get notifications like the episode you are currently listening to becomes available. All right, all right, guys, welcome back. (sighs) Today is Tuesday, January 17th. We got a lot to get to. So before these games start, I want to give you a quick rundown of the night's games before they start. Get you out of here and just talk about a landscape of the NBA. But I got a hot topic. It's burning inside of me. Um, Let's go to do tonight. Let's go back to yesterday. And I want to just do some topics real quick. All right. So real quick tonight, the Bucks and the Raptors. Uh, Giannis is not playing. The Greek freak would not be playing the game. But, Mil- but Milwaukee is still favored by one and a half. The Raptors are a little bit more desperate. They're going um, four games under 500. I know Milwaukee home is tough. I'm going to give the Raptors to this. I think they're going to dog out this game and win. Spurs and Nets. Brooklyn is still favored by two with no Kyrie Irving, uh, <laughs> no Kevin Durant. Ben Simmons will play tonight. Will he be aggressive? We will see. Um, that game starts at 8 o'clock. Brooklyn's favored by two. I'm going to dig the Spurs at home in an upset. I know the Spurs are the worst defensive team in the league, but they play hard. Trey Jones is a really good role player. Uh, Keldon Johnson is also back from injury. I like the Spurs in upset. I can be completely wrong. They can get killed in the glass. They're the second worst defensive team in the NBA. But I, I think they're going to do good here. All right. So Denver next is favored by five and a half versus the Portland Trailblazers. Everything I want to take Portland, but every time I take Portland versus Denver, I regret it. So I'm going to stick with the Denver to win about a five and a half and to win this game. Um, now, Jamal Murray is questionable. Um, he was regularly scheduled fine, but he got downgraded to questionable about an hour ago. I don't think that matters. I think this is going to be a big Jokic game. Uh, historically, the Nuggets have always had problems stopping Lillard. I don't think they changed today. But regardless of the fact, I am going to go with the Nuggets to win by five. Last but not least, the Clippers are favored by one and a half. So I want to talk about this narrative real quick. So the Sixers are playing better. Uh, we'll get to that later. But the Sixers are playing better. Harden's also playing really good on the road. We'll see what happens. Embiid historically kills um, the Clippers. Remember, he had 59 and 40 versus him twice already. So we'll see. I'm going to take the Sixers in the upset to win this game straight up. I like how they're playing. They match up well. I understand that Paul George might play. I hope he does. I mean, he can catch an L, too. I'm taking the Sixers in the upset. All right, guys. We got a lot to get into. I want to do a quick... Many, 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 many breakdown of last night's games. And then I want to get into some other stuff. All right. All right. So actually, we're going to switch it up a little. I was going to do a little breakdown of last night's games, but we're going to do two things. We're going to do our top five MVP. And then at the end, I want to talk about the Houston Rockets. All right. So this is my first top five uh, most valuable player list of the year. Obviously, we did the preseason ones, but this one's pretty big, too. So. Let's jump right into it, okay? All right, so we're going to start at the top and go down, moving from, well, one to five, all right? So check it out. At number one, 
I am going to say Nikolai Jokic is still the most valuable player. If he would win this award again, this would be the third time he won. Um, his stats are currently 24.9 points per game, 11.0 rebounds per game, and 9.7 assists per game. And what's just so amazing, excuse me, what's just so amazing about Jokic is obviously he's their team best player, but you know, Denver has always been talented, but I never thought Denver was going to win a championship. Obviously, they had the, the one year where they played the Lakers, and the Lakers went on to win the championship in the bubble. But I feel like he's raised his game to another level. I still feel like his defense isn't great. But when you play offense at a high level, any night you could be the lead facilitator. You can dominate the glass on both sides. You can push the ball in transition. You can finish inside. You can finish outside. You can play anywhere on the court and still be equally as effective. Um, you got to tip your cap to him, right? And so the other thing that coincides with Jokic's phenomenal numbers is winning, right? So the Denver Nuggets are 30-13. and 13. They have the best record in the Western Conference tied with Memphis, while the Celtics have the best in the East. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think nobody would argue it. Obviously, people would. You know, you get a lot of Luka. We get a lot of um, other different players. But my personal pick would be number one, with Nikolai Jokic. Denver is phenomenal. He is the reason why they're phenomenal. He continues to elevate his game, and every night he consistently brings it. Um, he's great, man. You know, the only problem with this is two things, right? So, one, there is no official criteria for MVP, right? To me, it's kind of narrative-based. But other than narrative-based, it's like, what is the most important factor? Is it the best player on a winning team because you want to support winning? Or is it a player kind of dragging a team that really isn't good without him? to be great because on different variables, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of have different answers on different things the way you look at it. Right. So to me, I do think at some point an MVP criteria will got to be there. Like, yo, do they need to win a certain amount of games? Do you, you know what I'm saying? What is the criteria? Cause there isn't none. Right. Um, but I would say Jokic be number one. Right. So let's keep it moving. Number two on my list I'm going to have to go with Jason Tatum. All right, Jason Tatum is averaging 30.6 points per game, 8.2 rebounds per game, and 4.2 assists per game. Now, the thing with Tatum is he'll still have a game here and there where he'll be like, I didn't love that game, but he, he is bringing it on all sides of the game. He's improved as a rebounder. He's a phenomenal defender. Uh, his three-point shot is a little down than what it was, but I believe the law of averages is going to come in and help my brother and give him a boost. But I like Jason Tatum for number two, right? Also, again, winning matters. After last year, with everything the Celtics went to, losing the NBA Finals in six games, all right? Losing their head coach, Ime Udoka, uh, losing a key, a key reserveman in the offseason, adding Malcolm Brogdon to new pieces, you would think, hey, would this team kind of come out flat? No, they came out better. They came out stronger throughout that. And you got to give a lot of credit to Jason Tatum, who also – Received a lot of fair criticism in the finals because he wasn't consistent. And at some point, parts in the playoffs. I think they've been phenomenal this year. Um, and I just think he's been playing at a phenomenal level. Number three. Now, I already know that y'all going to give me some flag, but this is my list. You can have your list. Number three is at Luka Doncic. Now, I know a lot of y'all thinking, yo, how can you put num- Luka Doncic number three on the MVP list? Yo, the dude is averaging 34.3, nine rebounds and eight assists. So here's the thing. As far as an individual player, he's probably the best offensive player as far as scoring and and passing in the league, right? But this team isn't good. 
you know. And this team isn't good all not because of Luka, but he's got some saying why they're not good. So check it out. Right now, Dallas is 24-21. and 21. Now, we obviously know with the loss of Jalen Brunson, it was going to be hard to recover. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie has been fine, but it's kind of been a little bit underwhelming and inconsistent at times. Christian Wood was the big offseason acquisition, and he's Christian Wood. Some nights he's great, and some nights he just... He just doesn't have it, you know, and that's a tough thing to do. Also, before the season, we were happy how Luka Doncic looked because he was in such great shape, right? And now, you know, he's he's in fine shape, but he's been getting injured and dinged up. And I think the bigger issue with the lack of a second primary scorer, his usage is so high. I think some of these injuries are going to kind of pile up because it's like, well, nobody else can really do anything. The thing about the Mavericks is they're just set up for Luka ball, which is really... I'm going to drive to the worm. I'm going to post up. I'm going to attack one-on-one matchups. And the second that you send help, my shooters are going to all hit shots. You know, and that's a cool strategy, but it's a very easy strategy to defend, even as a guy as talented Luka is. With that being said, he's been ridiculous, all right? He's put up some of the craziest numbers you've seen this season. And the only reason why he's not number one to me is because they don't win enough games, but that's a roster thing. But as an individual, he's kindly doing the best job he is uh, but collectively, if it's a unit, it has to mean more. And putting up these great numbers while your still team is still only three games over 500, I'm going to respectfully disagree, all right? That's my third pick. So, number four, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay, so I'm going to edit this with a couple of things. So, one, Giannis is averaging on this season 31 points a game, 11.9 rebounds a game, and 5.3 assists per game. So if you look at Giannis's numbers across the board, they're a little bit down from last season, and I'm not worried about that too much. So my thing was with the additions of Drew Holiday, not the addition, but the, uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton coming back off an of injury, I thought they would surge and be by far the best team in the league. Now, I still believe that, but I am officially worried about Chris Middleton, as I said before in his podcast. Um, he hasn't played. I don't know when he's going to play, but they need him out there. And I think, again, when I talk about the wear on Luka, which is kind of doing everything, that same wear is applying to Giannis. You know, like I said, that is impartially why some of his numbers are down across the board. Now, here's a little hot take. I still believe that by the end of the season, he's going to win this award. A couple of reasons why. One, I think they're going to have the best record in the NBA. I think if Middleton is 100% healthy, He's going to take a ton of pressure off of Giannis where his usage goes down, but his efficiency goes up. And the game just becomes a lot more easier for him. You know, as you remember, Chris Middleton was so big for them, obviously, for a number of reasons. He's a great player. But he hits shots down uh, down towards the end of the game. He can ISO, go one-on-one. He can create for others. Great ball handler. He just does so many things and takes pressure off of Drew Holiday. It does a natural thing and puts guys at their position, right? So it's more of a lot of Giannis... Uh, pick and roll inside or posting up inside, right? A lot of Holiday is the third option instead of the second option where there's not that much pressure on him. So he's free to either dish out to other teammates or try to be aggressively and hunt for his three-point shot. And, you know, the other role players have been uh, been okay for them. Joe Ingles has been playing a lot better coming back off of ACL. But we'll see. But, again, Giannis is number four right now. But I personally, be, personally believe by the end of the season – and with improved play from the Milwaukee Bucks, that he will move up to the number one spot, all right? And number five, number five, y'all know I ain't forget my boy, man. Joel Embiid, listen, I think people take great things for granted. 
I don't, but I want to make sure that my man is having a great season and people know it. Sometimes when you're great, you're so used to somebody being great. You kind of just take it for granted. Oh, yeah, well, he's supposed to do that. Well, yeah, he is, but he's still doing it. All right? So Joel Embiid is averaging 33.5 points a game, 9.9 assists, and 4 Excuse me, 9.9 rebounds, goodness gracious, and 4.4 assists, all right? <sighs> okay, here's the thing. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, he he scores really effortlessly. Like, when he misses, it's surprising. Um, and the thing with Hart and him is they're having great synergy. So a lot of people were like, yo, pick and roll, pick and roll. But to me, it's kind of been pick and mid-pop. Harden does a really good job as getting to uh, and be a lot of easy mid-range shots. And if you don't close out on him, you know, he's going to hit them shots all day. And when you do close out on him, one, two power dribbles, and he's going to finish at the rim. Uh, he's been great all across the board. My one critique for Embiid that I got to get on, which is also a team issue, I don't like 9.9 rebounds per game, right? The Sixers are one of the worst rebounding teams in the league, and Embiid is having a down year from for rebounding. I think two of those things coincide with each other, and I think they both can be better together. I expect after the All-Star break, Embiid to average 12-plus rebounds a game. And I don't know if the Sixers can, but I need them as a team to be better rebounding. They're actually one of the best teams in the league as far as finishing top 10 and offensive defense. They have a lot of versatile role players. Um, They have a lot of different dynamics, but at the head of the thing, at the head of everything, is Joel Embiid. So listen, right now, the Philadelphia 76ers are 27 and 16, right? So they are two games out of second place, which will be held currently by the Brooklyn Nets, all right? And I think they're okay. Like I said, the Sixers will do better. Um, I do think they need another wing 3 and D player. I would love Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think they would give us some real pop juice in our lineup, but I, I like our team. I don't love it. Um, also, you know, the end of game situations, y'all know I'm not a Doc Rivers fan, but again, this is about MVP, and Embiid is a bit of phenomenal. Listen, if you ever want to see how good the Sixers are, for one game, just watch them without them. They can't defend anybody. People struggle scoring. They just play this up-and-down ball with no defensive. It's massive. Like I said, we take things for granted because it's expected. But in all actuality, he's being great. So a couple more things to add to this MVP thing, right? Honestly, a healthy Kevin Durant could be anywhere from one to five. You can make your argument that he is the MVP. You can make the argument that he may be a lot of other issues that happen in the summertime. But I got to give KD some props, right? Big difference between KD and Harden when they demanded trades. Yes, KD demanded trade. And did he rescind it? Yeah, he did. But the season kind of started. They kind of had a talk with him. But the big thing about it is he never let his off-court issues with the management in the front office affect his on-field slash on-court performance. That's everything, right? And that's everything because what drove me so crazy, reference point, what drove me so crazy in the Houston Rockets when uh, they were towards the end and Harden was, you know, demanding his trade, he was dogging on the field. He was clearly out of shape and he didn't care about nothing. Yo, it's one thing to demand a trade. But when you walk on that court, yo, you got a responsibility. When you walk on that court, there's no dog in it, man. This is what you do for a living. You're great. Greatness is shown in every day. So you just come in there, dogging it out, throwing sloppy passes. Yo, um, DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall are some veteran players. They had their own 
trials and tribulations for the NBA, but they just said, yo, this ain't it and you ain't it, man. Um, and he was kind of the start at the end of the Rockets, even though he wasn't everything, but how he handled himself just kind of completely negated him from ever even being an MVP, and he did have a really good season that year. Durant has been phenomenal on both ends of the ball, all right? The Nets are one of the best defensive teams in the league. Now, a lot of that has to go to coaching and the kind of players being more accountable and playing harder, but also Durant has been great on both sides of the ball. Defensively, Durant and Simmons are, are, are really tough. With Claxton, that might be some of the three best wing defenders in the league, right, as far as uh, movement, length, shot-blocking ability, and the ability to switch on other smaller and bigger players. So I got to give an ode to Kevin Durant as an asterisk. Like I said, if he comes back healthy, we'll see. He's expected to be in four to six weeks, but we'll see what happens, all right? All right, so a couple of other things before I get you all out of here. I got to talk about Mr. Ben Simmons. So tonight, Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets go to play the San Antonio Spurs. No Kyrie Irving. This game is everything to me, right? Ben Simmons' last game, he had three shots. He didn't even look to be aggressive in the second half. And it was a great argument dynamic between uh, Kenny DeJet Smith and Shaquille O'Neal about accountability. And with Kevin Durant being hurt, you got to step up. And this is such a layered thing because Ben Simmons fans or people would say, yo, he's providing so many other to the team, his job isn't to score. I agree his job isn't to score, but you still have to be look, be aggressive to look to score, right? You still have to look to get your own shot. And taking three shots is just purposely not wanting nothing to do with getting fouled. And this is why it's an issue, right? This is the perfect time. Tonight is, is so big. We're going to come back to, and review this tomorrow. But tonight is so big for Ben. Yes, they're playing the Spurs. Yes, the Spurs have awful defense. But this is a perfect game for you to take 12 to 15 shots, be aggressive, go at the rim. You miss a shot, you go harder again. You know what I'm saying? You consistently attack the rim. Because what's going to happen in the playoffs is pick and roll, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, um, they're going to help. They're going to help. They're going to help. And they're going to want you to get the ball. Because what happens is once two people come and they start to either double team or crowd a pick and roll ball handler, you're going to get an outlet pass. Now, that outlet pass can be you going downhill trying to finish strong at the rim. Two things are going to happen. They're going to foul you and you're going to have to make free throw shots or you're going to have to finish strong and contested shots through contact going towards the rim. To me, he has not confidently done either of those. And the bigger issue is, to me, a lot of times he's not taking any shots because he's not looking to get fouled. But again, we can mitigate all of that. These next four weeks are so essential for him to build up his confidence as a scorer. The reason why I get on him so much, right, because he was the number one overall pick and there's a regression in his game. But it's not even a regression, it's his lack to... Face the music. It's like, yo, you haven't got over the things you said you need to get over, right? You still got the yips. Um, you're still a really, really bad free throw shooter. I mean, like I said, and people don't talk about these things because they had so much success. And he has done some things well. Has been a really good passer in transition. Has also been improving defensively and moving a lot, a lot better uh, athletically, right? But again, you have to be aggressive. So, yes, yeah, second worst defense in the league. Y'all, I'm telling you, if that bull fin, I, I, I believe he's going to go off. I believe he's going to give you about 17 points tonight. Uh, he might get a triple dub on him. Um, but if he is not aggressive in this game, y'all, we'll have to have a different conversation. But like I said, this is a big game for Ben, all right? 
A um, couple of other news and notes. <sighs> Remember when I talk about part one of teams that were in trouble? The number one team that is in trouble in the league and that needs to figure out are they frauds or are they contenders or pretenders is the Toronto Raptors, right? Remember before the season, I was like, yo, man, I wouldn't trade no Scotty Barnes for no Kevin Durant. How's that looking? That was looking dumb then and it's looking dumb now. Now, in defense, I don't think a Kevin Durant adding to this team will win a championship, but they'd be better, and they'd be better by a bit of a mile, all right? But the thing is, Toronto was 20-24, and 24, right? And they've really been struggling. They've been losing some close games, but they got a lot of talented young players, and they got a lot of talented veterans. And so what you got to ask yourself with Toronto is, hmm, do I want to rebuild or retool around Scotty Barnes. I don't even know what they want to do with OG. Uh, we got to see what that is. But again, veterans that can become available during the trade deadline, Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr., and Pascal Siakam. And one thing about Masai Ujiri is he don't play the middle. Either we are or we are not, but he does not play the middle. And so these next five to ten games are everything because, like I said, if they go ten games under five hundred. 15 games under 500, he's going to be looking like, yo, 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 we're not good. That's fine. Changes got to be made. Pascal, I'm moving you. Fred Van Fleet, I'm moving you. And these two players can kind of change the landscape of the NBA because their dynamic on certain teams is everything. For example, imagine Fred Van Fleet on a team like the Dallas Mavericks, a team that needs a secondary playmaker that's tough, that's physical, that's played in the playoffs, that's hit big shots and big moments, that can handle the ball and pick and roll. Okay, let's move to another one. How about Fred Van Fleet on the um, excuse me, the Los Angeles Clippers or the LA Lakers? Both teams need a point guard that can shoot, that can pass the ball, facilitate to others. All right, and let's go to Mr. Siakam. Man, you know who will look good in Golden State? Pascal Siakam, another forward that's three and D. Well, not three and D. Another All Star type player that's a phenomenal defender, that's aggressive at attacking the rim, that can also pass. It's a very high IQ player. Will look beautiful in that system, right? But there's other places Pascal Siakam can fit in too, right? Okay, maybe we can go to Denver. We can switch him for Michael Porter Jr. If Denver doesn't believe in him, all right? Or maybe we can put Pascal Siakam in Portland and give Damian a number two, and then move Anthony Simons either to Toronto or put him in the third spot. But there's a lot of different teams that can use these two young stars. Um, talent. So it is very important and imperative that they win games over the next couple of weeks because if not, sayonara. It's going to be over. All right. Last but not least, I want to get into this more tomorrow, but when you guys get a chance, I want you to see a John Wall interview on YouTube of John Wall talking about his time in Houston. Now, obviously, it got kind of rough at some times. They sent him home, um, but this thing was so good because he used to say that the team... Uh, it's pretty layered. So it first talks about he first talks about how the organization just wanted to lose, how uh, the coach um, basically said his hands were tied, and management was just they were fine with losing because they wanted to collect assets and get high draft picks. But the price of that is bad habits. And y'all know I don't get on no team more than the Houston Rockets of talented bad habits guys that over dribble, um, horrible shot selection. Jalen Green again. Can play defense as the ability to, but currently he is an awful defender, man. Seriously, all right. He doesn't rotate. He does fake doubles sometimes. 
he gets very lazy on defense, right? And the thing is with, with, with Steven Siles is, you know, he's a really nice guy. Um, I don't know what he can do because I don't know if they're letting him do it, right? And it's kind of a philosophy issue. Management's like, yo, listen, forget all that. This is what we want you to do. And if you're somebody else, well, don't listen to him. Do what you got to do. Eh, they might fire him if he do what he got to do. You know what I'm saying? It, how, it's so hard to get opportunity as a black head coach. You know, his, his hands can be tied. So it's kind of like it's a management issue and it's a him issue. Now, he has to take some things because the offense of his team is horrible, right? The offense needs to run through um, Alfred Sangoon, who is by far the best passer on the team, who is a low post option, and who can kind of build structure into their offense. Now, so Sangoon isn't a great defensive player, um, so obviously they're going to have to build some defense and athletes around him. But to me, going into this offseason and the next season, it has to be a change of mindset and a change of culture. And to me, if that doesn't start with changes in management, it's going to have to start with changes in the head coaching department because this Rockets team, as young as they are, they should be better, man. They should be better. They're getting blown out in most games. You'll see the talent, and then you'll see the problem. You know, so when you get a chance, I really, really want y'all. We're going to do a longer deep dive about this tomorrow, but I really, really want y'all to watch this documentary. Not even documentary. Uh, a John Wall interview on his time in Houston. All right, we're going to wrap it up right there. As always, like, share, and subscribe. We'll come back tomorrow, Wednesday, and big break down the big slate of basketball. As always, like, share, and subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell other friends. Hashtag know your role player, K-N-O-W-Y-A. R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R. I'll talk to y'all soon. Y'all be good. Peace.